0: Uh, Just a second. Let's hear it. Give it up for our band one more time, man. I love those guys. Thankful for what they do. Hey, we want to put something on your calendar. If you've been coming here uh, for the past couple of weeks, you already know about this. Uh, September the 25th. Uh, September 25th is a big day for us because we're calling that our grand opening service. And our goal for that service is to have 200 people in the room. If you've got your connection card, on the back of that connection card, you can see a box on it. And it says, I want to help Summit open strong September the 15th through the 17th. What we're doing there is we're having a large presence at the Black Gold Festival and doing other things all over Hazard and Perry County. And literally, churches from all over the state are coming in to help us. We've had over 20 people from Summit sign up to help, uh, but we want you to be a part of it as well. And so if you have not checked that box yet on the back that says, I want to help Summit open strong, do that, and we'll get in touch with you starting this week Uh, and get everything put together uh, because we really want to have a grand opening that's strong. We want to let people know that we are here, we are here because we believe God's put us here and we're here to make an impact, all right? So we are going to pray and today we are talking about money and it's always fun to talk about money in church, always fun to talk about money in church, all right? So let's pray, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty and God, I thank you that your word is God, it it, it speaks to every area of our lives, including money. And so, God, I pray that right now you would just begin to, to work in our hearts because, Jesus, you just really made clear that money is about deeper issues. Money really shows where our hearts are at. And so, God, I pray that right now, even though people may be thinking about money, God, I pray that you would do deeper issues today. I pray that you'd begin to work right now in hearts and move in unexpected ways that you would be lifted up and that we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, today we are talking about money. And I don't know if you realize this or not, uh, but it is always controversial to talk about money in church. It is always controversial to talk about money in church. You've probably heard people say things like, say about the church in general. Maybe you are one of those people that say this kind of thing. You've heard people say, I don't like the church because the only thing churches talk about is money. Or, I don't like the church because all they want is your money. And so it's a really controversial issue. In fact, in fact, today, it's a given. This will happen today this is going to happen granted this is just our eighth service we've only done this eight times this is the only this is the first time we've ever talked about money somebody will leave today and say i hate that church they only talk about money it's going to happen We'll, we'll post the sermon online for you to download subscribe to our podcast tomorrow you'll see it someone will look at it that new church they only talk about money well we've only been we've only done this eight times and today's the first time but it's still going to happen Because it's just controversial. People get really touchy. There's tension in the room when you talk about money. And and if we were to be honest, we need to admit that a lot of churches, a lot of Christians have done a bad job talking about money, right? Uh, There's a lot of Christians and churches... And teach, uh, preachers on TV that have just done a bad job talking about money. I mean, we've all seen it on the news. Guys will tell you to send in money. They're going to feed kids in some third world country. And it find, turns out they use the money to buy some airplane, you know, for their kids or something like that. Um, I, for, me, for me, when I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking about churches and money and how people talk about money in the church. And I will never forget the very first time I ever heard a preacher talk about money. I'll never forget it. I, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I, got, I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, gave my life to Jesus at the age of 18. And I had only been a Christian for a few weeks, and I was flipping through the channels, and I came to Christian television. Now, if you have never been introduced to Christian television, Christian television is a glorious thing because it's, it's, it could, it, it's, it's absolutely horrifying most of the time. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to hear. And on this particular occasion, I was flipping through. And what caught my attention on the Christian television station was a lady with large purple hair. Literally, this woman had, I promise you, she had purple hair. And, and she was crying. She was really emotional. She was crying. Mascara was all over her face. It looked like she'd just lost a paintball fight. And so there was this purple-haired lady with mascara all over her face. It looked like she'd just lost a paintball fight. And I promise you, she looked at the camera, and she said, If you love Jesus, you'll send us all your money. Now, I had only been a Christian for a few weeks. But I remember thinking, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to send the purple-haired lady any of my money. I'm just not going to do it. But, but, but that's just a bad example of how churches or, or pastors, Christians can talk about money. So we just need to be honest and admit that a lot of times this has been done in a bad way. You may be here though and money's on the forefront of your thoughts not because it's controversial to talk about in church. Not because you've heard churches talk about it in a bad way or you've seen pastors or preachers or leaders misuse money, but money is on the forefront of your thoughts because right now, You are in a financial prison, you feel like. You lost your job maybe weeks ago, months ago, maybe over a year or so ago, and times are hard. You don't know what you and your family are going to do next. You're looking for employment all over the place, and no doors are opening. Bills are coming in, money is not, and there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress at home, and there's conflict in your marriage, and you know it this morning, and the only reason it's there is because of money. And so today what we're going to do, we're we're still in our sellout series. And in our sellout series, what we've been talking about every week is selling out to God's call for our lives. Selling out to God's call in, in different areas of our lives. And today we're talking about selling out to God's call for our finances. What would it look like if you sold out to God's call for your finances? Well, that's what we're going to see today. Today we're going to see what it would look like if you sold out to God's call for your finances. So if you've got a Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read the first 15 verses. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be right up there on the screen behind me. Maybe you, uh, you've got one, you just didn't bring it with you today. If you're here, you don't have a Bible at all. You don't have a Bible at home, you don't have a Bible, period. When you leave today to your right, at our Connection Point table, we've got a free Bible we want to give to you today. You don't have to fill out a card, you don't have to do anything. We just want to give you a Bible today, if you don't have one. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and as you're you're turning there, as you're uh, getting ready to read this with me, I want to say this to you, I want to say this, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're at, you need to get this this morning. You can't afford not to sell out to God's plan for your finances. You cannot afford to not sell out to God's plan for your finances. I don't care what economic class you're in this morning. I don't care how affluent you are or how tight it feels for you right now. You can't afford not to sell out to God's plan for your finances. So we're going to read these 15 verses. And just before we read them, let me, uh, let me explain to us what's going on here. This is written by the apostle Paul. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, what you need to know about Paul is that before Paul became a Christian, Paul killed Christians. So if you're here today and you feel like you've got a past that can't be forgiven, that God can't forgive you, that you've done things that God can't look past and God can't forgive you, God can't use you, you need to know that most of the New Testament in the Bible was written by a guy that before he became a Christian, killed Christians. So if God saved him, he can save you. If God made him new, he can make you new. And so he's writing to this church in a city called Corinth. And what's happening here is a, a long time ago, at one point, this church said, we're going to help out another church somewhere else. We're going to help out another group of Christians. We're going to give them money. But then all of a sudden, this church at, the church at Corinth said, you know what, we can't give them the money. We said we're going to give them. And so Paul, in the 15 verses we're about to read, he's telling them, hey, you need to keep the commitment that you made. You're really going to help people out if you keep that commitment You need to do it. And he's going to use an example of a church called the Church of Macedonia. This church is extremely poor, and yet they gave generously. And Paul says, if they can give, so can you. So we're going to read these 15 verses here. You can follow along with me in your Bible or on the screen. Here we go. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In other words, keep the commitment you said you were going to do. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Watch this verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased of your burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. What would it look like if you sold out to God's plan for your finances? It would look like this. It starts with Jesus, leads to generosity, and results in the world being changed. If you today, if you sold out to God's plan for your finances, it would start with Jesus, then it would lead to you being generous, it would lead to generosity, and it would result in the world being changed. So let's take that and let's break it down so that we can really understand that. See, God's plan for your finances starts with Jesus. And the reason for that is really easy to understand because Jesus was the ultimate giver. Jesus was the ultimate giver. I mean, if you've got a Bible there, maybe it'll come up on the screen again. Verse 9, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, that though he was rich. Stop right there. Jesus was rich. Now, not rich in the sense that he was, look, look, he looked like some hip-hop star or whatever. He's got all kinds of bling on and a big fur coat or anything like that. That's not what we, what we mean by rich. What it means by rich is that Jesus, before he came to earth, lived for all eternity in heaven. I mean, you know that, right? You know that all of a sudden Jesus didn't just come on the scene because he was born at Christmas. We celebrate that every year, right? You know that. Before before that, he had always existed. And Jesus was in heaven and he was rich because there he was in heaven and he was worshipped by angels in heaven. And he was with God in heaven and they had a perfect relationship and there he was and there God was with his son, Jesus. And so Jesus was rich, but he became poor. Jesus was rich, but he became poor. He was born in a dirty stable. He grew up literally in poverty. His parents, Mary and Joseph, they didn't have hardly anything. So he grew up poor. When he grew up and became an adult, he was rejected by most of his friends. He was beaten up, tortured to death, killed, and came back from the dead. He was rich, but he became poor. So why did he become poor? Why would Jesus, who had all of these riches, worshipped in heaven on the throne of the universe, why would he become poor? For your sake. He became poor, it says in verse 9, for your sake, for you, for you, for you. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter what you've done, he was rich and he became poor for you. See, you have to understand this, the love that Jesus had for you motivated him so much, filled his heart so much, that he left all that he had in heaven and became poor for you. Think about this with me. How many of you know there are things you've done in your life and the only reason you've done those things is because you were motivated out of love to do those things? Anybody? You've done something in your life and the only reason you did it is because you loved the person you were going to do it for, right? You've done that. I've done that. You know, I was, I was thinking about that this, this week and I thought about a time uh, a couple of years back, actually. It was a really small incident, but, but, I, but I just remember it really vividly. I remember we were about to go somewhere. Our family was. We were at home. And, uh, and I don't know if we were going to church, I don't know where we were going, but all I remember about it is that I was dressed up for some reason. I was really dressed up. It was important that I dress up for this occasion. And so here we are, and I'm in my little girl's room, Cassidy, and she sneezes. And listen to me, I hope y'all didn't have lunch plans. She sneezes, and just, just, just the biggest sneeze ever, and just her face is covered. Do I need to get any more graphic than that? I mean, just covered it is all over her face just she sneezes and stuff just goes all over and she and i look at her and she's doing this there's no tissues there's nothing in there's nothing to hand so so i did at that moment what seemed the perfect thing to do i untucked my shirt took my shirt and cleaned my girl's face with it and then i tucked my shirt back in and we left now, here's what happened after I tucked my shirt in. After, I, after I'd done it, I wiped all of it off, I tucked my shirt in, I'm walking through the house, and it hits me. I just wiped off the face of a girl who had snot all over and it's on me. It's all over my shirt. Oh, my gosh, why would I do that? Now, listen, I love all y'all. I don't know if I love you enough, though, that if you sneezed right now without a tissue, I'd take my shirt and wipe your face off. Why would I do that for her? Because I love her Now think about that Isn't that a crazy example Isn't that just outlandish isn't, isn't, that, isn't that ridiculous Think about what it must have been like The day that Jesus said Looked at the angels Everybody else Hey I'm leaving I'm going to become poor So that I can go save humanity The angels had to have looked at each other And said are you serious are you, You're going to leave all this And become poor And he left it knowing where it was going to go knowing it was going to go bad for him, but he did it because he loved you. He became poor so that you, still in verse 9, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And listen, when it says that you by Jesus' poverty would become rich, that doesn't mean that Jesus died so that you can have a yacht, okay? That's not what it means. It doesn't mean Jesus died so that you can be a millionaire. I know that there are really good-looking TV preachers with nice white teeth on TV that will tell you that's what it means, and they are wrong. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that Jesus became poor so that you would be rich materially. Here's what it does mean, though. When it says that Jesus by his, Jesus became poor so that you, by his poverty, you'd be rich, what it means is this. If you have Jesus, you're rich today. If you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, if your sins are forgiven, if God is your Father, then you are rich in God's eyes and then to flip it around from God's perspective if you're here and you don't have Jesus your sins are not forgiven if God is not your father if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive you for your sins if you've never done that then listen it does not matter how affluent you are it doesn't matter the ladder that you've climbed and the status that you're at right now in God's eyes you're poor why because when you die everything you've worked for everything you've given your life for will stay here you know that right You know that when you die, it's not going with you. I mean, you've heard this before. There is a reason you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul strapped to the back of it. Now, you know that. But at some level, man, we just don't believe that because some of you are here and you're just giving your life to things that when you die, you're leaving. But listen, today you can be rich in God's eyes if you give your life to Jesus. Jesus. So it starts with Jesus. He was generous. He gave himself for us. It starts with Jesus and then it leads to generosity. It leads to generosity because you see the example that he gives of this church. He talked about the church in Macedonia there in verse 2 and he says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. This church was broke. They didn't have nothing. This church didn't. But look at this. Their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of Generosity. Everybody say this with me. Everybody say the word generous. Say it. Generous. Thank you for the five people who said it. God bless your soul. There you go. Generous. Listen, the Bible, when it talks about giving, the word that it'll use over and over is the word generous. You look in the New Testament, you look all over the Bible. People who were rich were generous. People who were poor and didn't really have anything. They were generous. Generous. They gave generously. So if you're here and you're listening to me right now, probably at some point you're asking yourself this, well, Mark, how much of my money should I give to God so that I'll be generous? Mark, how much of my resources should I give to God so that I'll be generous? And that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. See, because the Bible says that you and me, we are stewards. What a steward is, is it's a manager. It's a manager of other people's resources. And so listen, the Bible says that everything you have, really, it's God's. The money you have, the clothes you're wearing, the house you live in, the car you drive, your kids, your life, the air you're breathing, ultimately, it's all God's. And we are stewards of things that are actually His. So the right question is this. How much of God's money will I keep? How much of God's resources will I keep so that I can be generous with the rest? See, when you think about giving, a lot of people, and you've probably heard this word before, tithing. And what the tithe means, the tithe is, basically in the Bible, the tithe means to give 10%. It was for that individual to give 10% of their resources, 10% of their income. Back to God. It was an offering back to God. When you go to Jesus in the New Testament, the word that Jesus uses over and over is the word generous. And so here's how I I would urge us to think about giving and using our resources. Because a lot of people have this idea, okay, well, all God wants me to do is give 10%. Once I hit 10%, I'm done. But Jesus goes beyond that and says, be generous. So instead of the tithe being the ceiling, the top that we hit, really we should look at it as the floor, and we're going to try to go above that. We're going to try to be overly generous with our resources. Maybe you're at a place right now where you need to build up to that, but that's God's idea for our resources is to be generous with what he gives us. And listen, listen, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, and we're about to move on and wrap this up. But we've got to understand this because Jesus said the number one competitor for your heart is money. The number one competitor for my heart, for your heart, is money. And so what generosity does, generosity causes us to say money doesn't control me, God does. Money doesn't own me, Jesus does. And I'm going to be generous with what he gives me. So it starts with Jesus. It leads to generosity And then, finally, it results in the world being changed. See, here was this church, Macedonia. They were extremely poor, but they gave like nobody else had ever given. They were generous. We don't know how much they gave. Maybe it was just a couple of dollars. But in their eyes, it was extreme poverty, and they gave, so it was extremely generous. Generosity doesn't have a numeric figure with it. It just depends really on your situation and where you are in your relationship with God. So if you're here this morning, you say, am I generous? Really, ask God that question. You shouldn't ask anybody else that question. You shouldn't ask me that question. You should ask God, God, am I generous with what you've given me? Here was this church. They were generous, and because they were generous, you can see it in one of the verses that hopefully will be on the screen, verse 14, they gave, and what they gave met needs. It met the needs of other churches. We could go on. We could read in verse 9 how because that church gave, the good news about Jesus continued to spread through the world, and lives were impacted, and the world was changed. They saw Jesus, it led to generosity, lives were impacted, and the world was changed. And listen, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. You see Jesus? It leads to generosity, and the world has changed. Listen, I don't know if you've been listening to me, I don't know if you're tracking with this, this morning, but I don't know about you. maybe you'll relate to this. Think about the world being changed. Hazard needs to change. Anybody? Hazard needs to change. I don't know if you knew this before. This is a statistic for the city that we're in right now, a city that's plagued with drug problems, a city that's plagued with drug issues. I'm sure that probably the drug epidemic has touched every family in the room, or at least families that you know in the room. The average age for the first-time drug user in hazard, 11 11 years old. My girl, Cassidy, she's six. That's not too much older than where she's at. 11 years old. One of the questions that we get asked a lot of times is, why would you want to start a new church in Hazard? There's churches all over the place in Hazard. Everybody in Hazard knows about Jesus. I don't know if you realize this or not. Last year in 2010, there were a group of churches. They, they brought in an outside organization here in the Hazard and Perry County. And they had an organization do a study of how many people in Hazard and Perry County are associated with a church, affiliated with a church, go to church in any way, shape, or form. Here was the results. 75% of Hazard and Perry County have absolutely no contact with any church, no affiliation with any church, have never been to a church. 75% of a county that has about 30,000 people in it. Listen, what if, say a couple of years from now, what if when people thought about Hazard, Kentucky, they said, do you remember when Hazard had that drug problem? What if a couple of years from now, people said, do you remember when 75% of Hazard in Perry County was unchurched? They never went to church. What if several years from now, people said, do you remember how all of the marriages, there were all kinds of marriages and families breaking down in Hazard? What happened that changed everything? What was it that came into Hazard and changed the scene? What if that could happen? And people say, well, I know exactly what it was. It was Summit Community Church. God started Summit Community Church in Hazard, and God used that church to turn this city upside down. Listen, you need to know that as the guy that God called to start this deal, we believe God's going to do that. We believe we're going to be the church that God uses. One of the things that God opened up a door for us to do before we did anything earlier this year, like February of 2011, earlier this year, we got to talk to several city officials and just ask them all kinds of questions. How can we as a church serve the city? How can we love this city? And I asked somebody that has a high up position here in the city, what are churches in Hazard and Perry County doing about the drug problem here in Hazard? You know what the answer was? That's what he told me. I don't know if this is true or not. This is what he said. You know what his answer was? nothing nothing next week we're going to talk about the church and let me just say this that's the wrong answer because here's the entire sermon next week here's next week's sermon the church is the hope of the world the church is the hope of the world that's next week's sermon now listen just cuz i gave you next week's sermon don't mean you need to skip okay you should you come all right it's going to be longer than that but that's next week the church is the hope of the world the hope for hazard is the church and listen when you give at Summit, as a part of Summit, if you're a part of Summit, when you give to Summit, that's what you're giving to. You're giving to something that God is going to use to turn this city upside down. When you become a part of Summit, and we'll talk more about formal membership of Summit in a few months, but right now, if you want to jump on board and serve, when you jump on board and you serve at Summit, that's what you're jumping on board to. A church that is deeply committed. The changing the world. Because the world needs to be changed. Hazard needs to be changed. See, think about it like this. There's really two options in front of us this morning. There's really only two options in front of us this morning. There's your kingdom, and then there's God's kingdom. See, the Bible says that God has a kingdom, and the Bible says that Jesus is a king. And the whole universe is his kingdom. But our problem is that we think that we are kings. We think that we have a kingdom. And so we spend our entire lives building up resources and collecting and gathering things and saving and investing so hopefully that that our money gives us security. Hopefully that our money makes us sleep better at night. Hopefully our resources and everything that we get and we have makes us feel better about ourselves and we're trying to build our own kingdoms. But listen to me, at the end of the day when we die... None of those things go with us. Listen, it's not bad to have good things. It's not bad to have money. It's not bad to have a nice house, nice car. It's not bad to have any of those things. Nothing's wrong with those things. But listen, it's bad when those things have you. Nothing's wrong with any of those things, but it's wrong when those things have you. See, so, if, if you are going to give God control of your finances, then really God has to have control of you. And so the question is, does He? Does God have control of you today? I wonder if there's an area of your life you may be here and you're a Christian there's an area of your life that you need to give to God. There's an area of your life where you need to submit. To God, You say, God does not have control of my life right here. Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it's exactly what we've been talking about today. Maybe it's something completely different, not even finances, but God is just really putting his finger on it for you today. Maybe it's your life for the very first time. You need to give God control of your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every single head bowed, with every single eye closed, I wonder if you would just, where you're at, I wonder if you would take just a moment and if you would ask God, say, God, is there an area of my life where I really need to give you control? Maybe it's it's your money. Maybe it's your finances. Or maybe it's some decision. You're here this morning, you're scared to death about what the future holds for you and your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's filling a the blank. I wonder if there's an area in your life where you would look at and you would say, God, I need to give you control of this area in my life. I wonder if there's anybody here today that you would raise your hand and you would say, you know what, Mark, God is laying something on my heart today. There is an area in my life, I know I need to give God control of this area. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything like that. I'm not even going to ask you to identify it. Because listen, God knows what that area is. This is between you and God right now. God is at work in your life. I just want to know, is there somebody here and you would look at your life and you would be willing to say, Mark, I know God is telling me to give him control of an area in my life right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? several hands thank you for that hand thank you there's that hand one two three four five six seven eight go ahead and put your hands down thank you so much god is just speaking to you god about giving and control giving him control of an area in your life i wonder if there's somebody here today and you've never given god control of your life at all see mark i don't think that i'm a christian i think i'm a good person but listen listen to me if that's where you're at good is not good enough. If it was, Jesus didn't need to die for you. But he had to die for you because you can't save yourself. I wonder if there's anybody here who would raise their hand. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I wonder if there's anybody here who would raise their hand to say, Mark, I need to give God control of my life for the very first time. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Raise your hand this morning. Anybody in the room? You need to give God control of your life for the very first time. God, I know that you are on the move right now. God, I thank you for all the hands, God, that went up. I thank you that you are at work in people's lives. You're really convicting people about areas, God, where you want control. And God, I pray that the heart of every single person in the room this morning would be surrender, God, that we want to give our lives over to you God that we want you to have control of every area and so God as you speak as you are speaking God just continue to work continue to move in Jesus name amen amen our ushers are going to come up front Uh, come on up guys we're going to take up our offering now give you a chance uh, really to to be obedient to God and, and to worship God in your giving. But listen, before they before we take up our offering, before the band plays to dismiss us and before we leave uh, worshiping, I want to say this to you. Listen, we want you to come back next week. Next week we are going to talk about the church, and I promise you, I promise you, we are going to do something next week that you will remember for the rest of your lives. Okay? So come back next week and listen, bring people with you, man. If God is using Summit to impact your life at every single table out there, there are invite cards. Just cards that have where we meet, our our dates and times on them, got uh, all kinds of web addresses and things like that. Take as many of those as you want and give those out to whoever you want to this week. All right? Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Let's worship God in song and in our offering this morning as these guys play us out.
1: As the ushers are making their way around, I want to share some scripture with you where this song comes from as we as we close our service this morning. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1 says, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name forever. For you have done wonderful things. Your plans, formed of old, are faithful and sure. And then on down in Verse 4, it says, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. Verse 8, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then verse 9 says, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us this is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Let's stand together as we are dismissed in worship this morning.
2: Forever, you have done great things Your plans are faithful, your plans are true You have been a stronghold to those who seek you your Shelter from the storm, and the shade from the moon. You will swallow up death You will swallow death forever And my every tear from our eyes This is our God, we've waited for Him And He has saved us, He has saved This is the Lord, we've waited for Him And He has saved us, He has saved us Oh, Lord, sing it out. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name forever. You have done great things. Things are faithful, things are true. You have been a stronghold to those who seek you. shelter from the storm, the for you. Swallow death forever And wipe every tear from our eyes This is our God, we've waited for Him And He has saved us, He has saved This is the Lord, we've waited for Him And He has saved us, He has saved us See it again. You will swallow up death forever. You will swallow up death forever and wipe every tear from our See it again. You will swallow up death. You will swallow up death forever and wipe. From our eyes, lift your voices. This is our God. This is our God. We have waited for Him, and He has saved us. He has saved. This is the love we've waited for. Him, and He has saved us. He has saved. This is our God. We have waited for Him, and He has saved us. He has saved. This is the love we've waited him and he has saved us he has saved us we rejoice in the salvation that would be given in jesus christ let's let that be our joy as the day goes on praise god you guys are dismissed god bless you